0: As we consider this psalm in 2 Samuel chapter 23, there is what I think is a most precious verse concerning David, the psalm writer. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 1, we read these words. Now, these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. And the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was many things. He was a king, he was a man, he was a sinner, he was a redeemed sinner, but he was also known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And thus, most of the psalms are written by him. This psalm, this particular psalm, is a psalm of confession. It's not a confession of sin. But is a confessional song of God and of who God is. And it is not a psalm or a prayer where David is just simply making statements or a confession about the transcendence of God and the nearness or the imminence of God. But he is making his confession to God. He is declaring to God, this is who you are. And this is how who you are has impacted who I am. And who you are has great implications and profound implications for David's own life and David's own heart and his worship. It is a psalm that teaches us, as I just said, of the transcendence of God. But also, as we will see, I think more clearly in just a moment... And God is not only transcendent, but he is near. He is near to us. As David tells us in verse 6, this psalm and the things that he is thinking of are beyond comprehension. It does not mean we cannot comprehend what David is saying. What he means is we cannot comprehend fully the full nature of this God that David is confessing to. It is a song that is infinite in its scope. Verses 17 and 18 remind us of that truth. Where David says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! So how far and how deep and how wide and how numerous do the thoughts of God go? If I should count them... They would be more in number than the sand. Just the consideration of the thoughts of God bring David to a realization that he can't consider the amount, the vastness, the immensity of the knowledge of God as well as within that immensity, the scrutiny and the searching nature of the knowledge of God. But it is also a psalm not only of confession, but also of petition. Because he closes out the psalm in verses 20 through 22 with with what is called an imprecatory prayer. And then in verses 23 and 24, a very personal prayer. So we want to divide our thoughts over the next few minutes in two categories. And hopefully, we'll get to both. If not, we'll try to finish the first one. And we can pick up the second one later if time does not permit. It. But the first category, as we think about this psalm, is David's confession to God. David's confession to God, which covers verses 1 through 19. And under this heading, we will see that David confesses four truths. About God. The first is that David confesses the truth of God's omniscience. He confesses the truth of God's omniscience in verses 1 through 6. Omniscience is just a fancy way of saying that God knows everything, God knows everything. David says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down or are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. God knows all of his ways. And likewise, God knows all of our ways. David confesses, you know, my sitting down and my rising up, two things that in our daily living we think are just events that are of no consequence. How often do you remember sitting down and getting up? How often do you even think about, oh, I've just sat down, or I've just stood up? Well, we don't give that much thought at all, and within a few minutes after we get up, we don't even think about the fact that we've just been sitting down. These are two minute events that occur every day and in every life, even several times a day. David confesses that God knows even those daily activities that, he, that we may deem of no consequence, God knows them all the small and the great. You understand my thought from afar. Before the thought enters our heads, God knows it. He understands it. He knows the motives of our thoughts, both good and bad. He knows the intent of our thoughts both good and bad, even before we think them. Every thought. And at the the point, it is profoundly obvious that if God knows David's thoughts from afar, and if he knows our thoughts from afar, he knows them now. David isn't just talking about God's eternity in the past, that he knows what David is about to think. He's reminding and confessing that God knows all of his thoughts. And it is so comprehensive that even before he thinks them, God knows them. He says, you comprehend my path and my lying down. Literally, is you, you winnow or you sift my path. It is a very detailed knowledge. It is a very intricate knowledge. That is a sifting knowledge to know both the good and the bad, the motive and the consequence, all of our ways. God is sifting them according to his perfect, holy knowledge. Our daily life, our sleep at night, he sifts our activities. He comprehends, fully comprehends all of our paths our waking hours, and our sleeping hours. God has a perfect and holy knowledge of all of our ways. And David is confessing this fact back to God. You know, you comprehend, you sift my ways. You know them all. He doesn't even know them all. But God knows them all. He says, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Charles Spurgeon, in writing on this, on the omniscience of God and these statements of David, makes these comments. To try to explain what David is talking about and what he is confessing, he says, Thou hast explored me as men dig in mines and make subterranean excavations. Thou hast searched into my secret parts and you know me. My simplest acts. Those which I scarce, scarcely premeditate. before I think, when I think it, and when I forget it, thou dost understand my every thought. Making a ring around me so that I am, so that I am entirely under thine observation. My roving and my resting are both known to thee. My habits and the, ex- and the exceptions from my habits are all known to To And Matthew Henry puts it even more succinctly, wherever we are, we are under the eye and the hand of God. God not only knew his, knows his ways, but David confesses that God knows all of his words. Even before they are spoken, there is not a word upon my tongue, O Lord, but behold, you know it altogether. There is no wonder when he comes to the end of his section where he says in verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I cannot comprehend it. It is true. It is true. But my knowledge of it and my comprehension of it can only go but so far I am so limited. It is too wonderful for me. But David not only confesses the truth of God's omniscience but he also confesses the truth of God's omnipresence in verses 7 through 12 where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence if I ascend into heaven you are there if I make my bed in hell behold you are there the word hell probably means the place of the dead even if I go to the place of the dead if I am buried in the grave even there you are there If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can we flee from, from God, from his spirit? Can we flee to heaven? Can we flee to hell? Can we flee to the place of death? Can we flee to the farthest parts of the sea or to the ends of the earth? Can we hide ourselves in darkness? And David's answer is a resounding no, we cannot. And it's not a confession of fear on the part of David. It is a confession of praise. And a wonder and a comfort to David. For even the darkness to God is like standing in the noonday sun. Nothing can be hidden from God. And God is everywhere present. None, nowhere can we go to hide from Him. David also confesses in the third place. The truth of God's sovereignty in verses 11 through 16. When you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully brought to the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. From his conception to the forming of the very intricate part of David's unborn body, God framed and fashioned and wonderfully made it. He was not hidden from God even in the womb of his mother. But on the contrary, God was not only present, but he was sovereignly active, forming David in the womb of his mother. And in his book, even the days of his life were written, even before <clears throat> they even began. Even before there was even, there were when as yet there were none of them, God had ordained his days. So David confesses the truth of God's omniscience. He confesses the truth, the reality of God's omnipresence, and he confesses the truth of God's sovereignty, which brings us to the final confession. is David's confession of all and of his delight and of his comfort that this God is his God and he knows him and he is known by him. We read in verse 6 the awe that gripped David's heart when he said such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high I cannot attain it. We read of his delight. We read of his delight in the God of the covenant, the God of promise. It was his God in verse 17. How precious are also, how precious are also your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the song that his thoughts of the very nature, activity, and person, and works of God were precious to him, and they were a comfort to him. In verse 10, we read, as he realizes and he confesses that God is omnipresent, he is fully present everywhere at all times, he says in verse 10 that even there your hand shall meet me and your right hand shall hold me. And in verse 17, he reminds us of this comfort as well. When he says, When I awake, I am still with you. When I awake, I am still with you. Who can make such a confession? David had to find such hope in the all-searching eye of God and the ever-present reality that every step that he takes, he steps within the presence of Almighty God who searches and sifts his ways his thoughts to the most mundane of actions. What foundation does he have to make such a confession and confess, and confess such delight and discomfort? I personally believe and I think the scripture bears out. It all boils down to what God did in David's heart. And what God does in the hearts of everyone who knows him covenantally. Those who know that he is their God and we are his people. He is our father and we are his children. In in 2 Samuel chapter 7, after God makes his covenant with David, David prays a prayer. A prayer confessing his response to God's covenant and God's promise to him. And the heart of David's response is found in these words, verses 28 and 29 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. he says and now O Lord you are God and your words are true and you have promised this goodness to your servant to put it even more basically O Lord You have promise. And that's enough. Because you tell the truth. So the God who made a covenant with David, who promised that from his seed, the true king would come. The one greater than David would come. David believed his words and, and of his promises of goodness to David, based on the reality that this all-knowing God tells the truth, so David can say, "Search me, O God." My heart. And know my thoughts. I know who you are. I know what you know. I know how much you know. It is immense to me. I know I cannot hide from your presence because your hand is upon me at all times, and your knowledge is inscrutable. You know both perfectly and you know according to your holiness all things about me. And you have promised good for me. So search me and try. The covenant that God made with David was fulfilled in Christ and grace. We don't have time to look at it tonight. I would encourage you to read Acts chapter 13, verses 20 through 39, where we read a sermon from the Apostle Paul that is grounded in the covenant that God made, the promise that God made with David. And the fulfillment of it that is found in Jesus Christ, In his death for sinners and in his resurrection from the dead. Even when he mentions the resurrection of Christ from the dead, he says, As it is is written, you will know the sure mercies of David. How do you know that God's ways for you are good? No matter what, whether it's a bad day or a good day, a bad thought or a good thought, a bad word or a good word, how do you know? Jesus said, if any man comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. Paul said in Romans 8 that God works all things for good. All things. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And it does really all boil down to that. See, God God knows all things anyway. Question is, do you believe him? Do you trust? Him? To turn from your sins and to lay your soul at the foot of the cross, and to believe, and to confess the words of David. You are God and your words are true. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. If you come to Christ in repentance and faith, he will not cast you out. Because he always, forever, and for eternity, although he knows everything about you, tells Father, bless your word to our hearing, to our hearts, to our minds. And may we find in this song hope and strength in your glory and in your truthfulness and in your promises. We thank you for such grace to sinners, sinners like David, sinners like us, and for all who will turn to Christ. Lord, give us ears to hear, we pray. hearts to worship. In Jesus' name.
1: you mm-hmm.